This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Diseases like tuberculosis, diphtheria, and polio, they used to be the leading killers of children in this country. Thanks to vaccinations, those deaths tapered off. And then for decades, it was car accidents. But in 2020, that changed. It wasn't COVID that was deadliest for kids that year. It was guns. This continued into last year. Nearly 3,600 kids were shot to death. And it's looking like this trend will hold steady for 2022 as well. Now, when a child is killed, whole families and communities are impacted, leaving deep wounds. Brandy Martin knows this all too well. Her daughter, Akila Addison, and her nephew, Sincere Cole, they were both shot and killed. Akila in 2019 and Sincere this year. She joins us now to share their stories. Welcome to the program, Brandy. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. And also with us is journalist and author Ben Austin. He wrote about Sincere in The Lives They Lived, a New York Times series that focuses on the lives of 12 children who were killed by guns this year. Welcome back to the show, Ben. Hey, thanks so much, Sasha. Ben, it's it's only at the end of each profile in, in small font where the reader actually gets details of, of how these young people died. The profiles focus instead on jobs that they worked and people that they loved and trips to the beach. Why did you approach the stories this way? Yeah, it's a complicated assignment. And it's really, you know, the the title, The Lives They Live, to try to celebrate the short and all too brief lives they did get to live, um, to see some beauty and joy in it, to, to capture a sense of who they were, not how they died. And through that, through these 12 lives, to also draw attention to this this, you know, this dire problem that you just, you know, documented with all those figures. To think about that these children, you know, we have to think about them as, as, like they're all our children and that, that we have to take action. Brandy, let's let's talk to you here. I wonder what it's like for you to see the story of your nephew Sincere's life, uh, you know, his roving ways, his entrepreneurial spirit, instead of just a story focusing on how he lost his life. Um, it was actually um, amazing. It was an amazing experience. Um, good morning, Ben. I am truly Thank grateful you, for Brandy. Ben. He made it very, very easy to get the story out there. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just grateful, like he said earlier, just to make sure that people understand that they did live lives, although they were short. And the fact that the story still remains to be talked about. You know, I'm fighting for, you know, justice. Um, his case is unsolved. And so it it kind it, it, it of warm my heart. And then with it being Christmas time, it's just an amazing feeling. Well, you also, Brandy, you also lost your, your daughter to guns. Yes. I lost my daughter in 2019. Um, she took a straight bullet to the head. What else um, would you like us to know about Akila? Wow. Uh, yeah. It's kind of, she, they say um, her death day says July 5th, but she was actually celebrating July 4th in the middle of the night. She died at 2.34 in the morning. My goodness. I'm so sorry, Brandy. Yes, yes. The streets of Chicago. The streets of Chicago. It's but but what, else, what else should we know about her? Uh, when my daughter was an entrepreneur, she was actually um, in school doing business, taking up business. Um, she was a she did hair um, for the local um, Rockford newscast. Um, some of the women over there oh, wow. that worked for the news station um, in Rockford and out in um, Peoria. And um, she was a stylist. She worked at Living Colors um, Beauty Shop on 66th and Western. Um, she was full of life. She was ambitious. Um, 
the life of the party. She was a socialite. She had just created a new business. Um, the hat's going to go with a weave cap for the everyday woman mm-hmm. that actually worked and, you know, just tried to maintain. She was amazing. Tell us about Sincere. Sincere. Sincere was the jokester. Um, he was he was sincere. Uh, my nephew was one that was misunderstood a lot, but it was because he was trying to find his identity as far as who he was. You know, Sincere had a lot going on as far as trying to uh, accept his the death of his mom um, right before he passed away. And uh, he was just crazy. He had a big sense of humor. He had the biggest smile. Yeah. He was a, 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 a entrepreneur. He's been an entrepreneur since he was like maybe six. You know, he found a way to negotiate to come up with some type of money for doing something. And he was like that all the way up until his death. Um, he was a real hard worker. He was determined to be uh, self-sufficient. Yeah. And uh, that was the dope part because you got people that are adults that, you know, don't have that drive. Right, right. So yeah. to see someone with that type of drive, but he got it honestly from his mom. But to see a young man, to find a ways to uh, make something happen without being taken and stealing and robbing from someone, you know. Yeah. That, 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 was, that was something that I found to be very dope. It's crazy because in his death, I can see light to it more now than I did when he was alive. Mm. And with all that you mentioned, it is so hard to believe that he was so young. Ben, what sticks out with you the most about Sincere's story? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how you were, Sasha, but like if I profiled myself at 15, I, I wouldn't be very interesting. Like, it, would, I it would be a sentence. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and so, you know, that's part of the assignment. I remember talking to Brandy and and you know, she started saying, listing all the things he didn't get to do, you know, that, that he didn't go to prom, he didn't get to fly on a plane or travel. Um, and so there's a lot of not, but to start to see this young man and moving about the neighborhood and having this, this, this sort of drive, um, a sense to be outside. I mean, also that he, he, you know, the trauma that he went through, he lost his mother not too long before and, and his cousin, uh, Brandy's daughter and, you know, going through COVID as well, you know, we're sort of being outside of school, um, you know, and then and then also seeing the neighborhood. I mean, Brandy mm-hmm. just said the streets of Chicago. And as a writer, I'm, I'm trying to be very sensitive to talk about the violence in a very factual way and concrete way and get people to pay attention, but not also to, to display neighborhoods as all one thing. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, partly what came through in Sincere Stories, too, is this, this community that also knew and supported him, that he, everybody knew Sincere. I mean, you could talk to anybody. They saw him on the streets. He rang their bells. He did odd jobs for them. You could go into any shop on Western between 67th and 71st, and they knew him. Um, and so that might sound like a contradiction, but to, to see that as well, that this, this, this neighborhood, even the one neighborhood that, that ultimately killed them, also, yeah. also nurtured him, and that both of those coexist. Brandy, let's stick with that thought for, for a moment. What toll have these losses taken on, on you and the family and, and the community, right? Everybody knew Sincere. Well, I would say the world because um, like every other child and every other person who has left it, everybody had a divine purpose and, and brought something to the universe, you know. And I just feel like the world has taken a big loss um, with not just my family, members, with everybody. But with Sincere... Um, like Ben spoke up earlier, I, I had a lot of knots to say. 
you know, I, I had a lot to say, but I had a lot of not. And when you when you have to put obituaries together, I, I had to bury four of my closest immediate family in less than three years, two and a half, matter of fact. That's not including the other 28 victims to gun violence that I have lost and buried in this last two and a half years. And um, Sincere's obituary was one paragraph if I hadn't took and been creative with it, you know? Yeah. And it has left me. I'm now advocate. I started a foundation called No Love on the Platform, No Love on the Streets, hashtag 24, and remembrance of all three of them. But I have PTSD. I suffer from anxiety and depression. Um, I now take meds, but God is good because I'm still able to maintain and yeah. still be able to reach and help other people who are also dealing with these same issues mm -hmm. and including the ones who potentially will deal with them. You know, I have a lot of people that I spoke with um, around the time of Cecilia's death that now has also went through the same thing that didn't understand me just a couple of months ago because it hasn't even been a full year. February 12th, the day after my birthday, would be a year for Cecilia's death. So, I mean, yeah. I, it has left me, um, like I expressed, being very broken. You know, I wish I could have gave, I have other children. I wish I could have gave Sincere a lot more attention. But being a person that I'm grieving as well, I lost my mom too, one year after his mom and my daughter. So um, wow. I've been dealing with a lot. That's a lot of a, loss. A lot. Yeah. A lot. Yes. My mom passed away March 17th of um, 2020. I'm so, so sorry, Brandon. Yes. So, and that's one year after the two girls and being now, being sincere, you know, and yeah. nephews and everything in us. So I'm now advocate for the things that, um, mental illness and different things like that, because Trump being traumatized, it affects you. And a lot of people don't know, you know, one shot kills a million people. So, so Brandy, who, who's, who's there for you to lean on? Who's, who's, who's your community right now? My my biggest community, well, is first of all, is God. God God has kept me standing every every step of the way. My biggest support system, I would say, is my um, entertainment family, Big Red Entertainment. Um, that's Tia, Egypt, and Passion. Okay. Um, they have kept me standing with prayer and support. My biggest supporter, as far as my community, is a foundation by the name of Rooster Wings. Yeah. And they are amazing. Um, anyone that's in the city of Chicago or the outskirts, if they are going through something, dealing with gun violence, they are the perfect people to connect with. I mean, they work with me all the way as far as counseling, um, needs, as far as aftercare, after the funeral. And they've just been great. They've been great as far as a support system. That's great. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Gun violence was the leading cause of death for kids in the U.S. in 2020 and 2021, and that trend is on track to continue this year. So we are speaking about the impacts of this loss with Brandy Martin. She lost her daughter and nephew to gun violence. And we're talking with Ben Austin, who's a journalist and author who wrote about Brandy's nephew in a piece for The New York Times. Ben, let's look into the numbers just a little bit here. First, do we know why this gun violence is on the rise? Well, I mean, I don't think it's 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 not a coincidence that it it's happened at the same time that COVID hit, that the we had more gun violence and more deaths, that these greater disparities in in health, in education, in jobs, in housing, all of those are the leading indicators of why gun violence happens. And so, uh, yeah. you know, it's it's not that complicated in that sense. 
Um, and then also just that guns are ubiquitous. You know, guns are everywhere so that people are solving problems in, in this way with, uh, with gunfire rather than other means. And, and that's, that's just, a, a, you know, an American epidemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, a, it's a real disease of this country. We have to mention gun sales are also up nationwide. Uh, in 2020, yeah. gun sales doubled. They went from about 1 million sales in 2019 to 2 million monthly in 2020. This is according to some numbers from NBC. Do you think that this is why we're seeing more kids killed by bullets, Brandy? Um, I think we're seeing more kids killed by bullets. Not only because of the um the guns are available, but because the guns are being taken and put right back on the street. Yeah. You know, a lot of these guns, um, a lot of these murders have several murders on these guns. And you wonder when well, you know, when they get taken, how do they hit back to the streets? You know, um, it's it's crazy because it's it's real big in the poverty stricken areas. It happens in the other areas. It's just not reported like mm-hmm. it is in the poverty stricken areas. Yeah. You know, that there are things going on in Wrigleyville, but we don't hear about those like we do Inglewood. You know, Inglewood would be blast all over social media. But um the people kill, you know, it, it's not even the guns, it's the people behind the guns. Yeah, you know. we know uh, gun violence is on the rise in this country in urban and suburban areas and, and kids of all races are, are getting shot and killed yes. more and more. Black children, particularly black boys, are the most at risk. What do you make of that, Ben? I mean, yeah, so uh, you're right, like two thirds of, of gun deaths, uh, homicides nationwide are black children. Uh, and in Chicago, it's it's higher than that. Um yeah, you know, the, the gun death rate in Chicago is 7.5 times higher in poor neighborhoods, sort of like what Brandy was talking yeah. about. Yeah, and I, I think, I think you know, those economic disparities are, are really what, what are, are indicators of, you know, driving it. Um, you know, we, we, you know, just as this article was coming out online and then this weekend, we, we in Chicago had two shootings at a school. Uh, in Pilsen, right? And so yes. a 14-year-old and a 15-year-old were killed. That's right. And, and so this this continues in that way. Um, I guess I just reiterate, too, like I think uh, all of these kids are our own for, for solving this problem. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to feel as a country that this is our all of our problem and that this is completely unacceptable. I, I really admire the students at, at Benito Juarez Community Academy who walked out of classes yesterday and yeah. said enough yeah. is enough. You know, we can't accept this. And all of us should feel that way. Um, and, you know, the blame is, is, goes all over the place um, to lots of different levels. But, but that kind of action is needed. We're out of time. But, Brandy, I'll end by asking you, what is giving you hope these days? Um, what is giving me hope is that I am able to take my experiences and turn my pain into purpose and to be able to stand up and speak for the dead because they can't speak for themselves. Um, that gives me hope that I can put a smile on other people's faces who have went and faced this. And like I said, who potentially will face it, you know, because this is something that won't stop, you know, until we can actually get uh, get a hold on it. And I don't think that, that's going to be years, years, years of work. So yeah. that's what gives me hope. And my two children, you know, to keep pushing. And my nieces, my two nieces, um, sincere sisters. That's good. That gives me hope. Well, take care, Brandy. We have been talking with Brandy Martin and Ben Austin. You can check out this series we're talking about from the New York Times. It's called The Lives They Lived. It's online now. Brandy and Ben, thank you so much.